my name is Archana Mishra and welcome back to Wellbeing Central. In the last episode, I shared the origin and core ideas of yoga, where I mentioned that yoga means to connect and it's defined by Sage Patanjali as the regulation of the mind's movement. An average person's mind is covered by the veil of ego, desire, aversion, and fear. So we find it difficult to make decisions with calm and clear mind. Through the practice of yoga, we can remove the mind's covering and improve every aspect of our life. For more detail, please have a listen to episode 4, part 1, if you haven't done so. In this episode, I'll share Patanjali's teachings on the eight limbs of yoga or eight pathways to achieve a deeper connection with ourselves and everything around us. These are Yama, Niyama, Asana, Pranayama, Pratyahara, Dharana, Dhyana and Samadhi. Just like we can't choose to have one limb over the other in our body, we need to embrace all eight limbs of yoga for complete well-being. Remember that yoga means connectedness, wholeness or being one with the universe. So we can't just sit on our mat for an hour or so and be able to do that. We need to also practice it in our day-to-day life when we are off the mat. So how could we do that? Let's start with the first limb of yoga, Yama, which is about our relationship with the world around us. And we can work on it through five moral vows or restraints. It starts with Ahimsa or non-violence, which means not harming anyone with our thoughts, words or actions. So it's not just physically or verbally harming anyone, but also not harboring any ill thoughts against anyone at any time under any circumstance. That's a very high standard. We can practice Ahimsa by having consideration towards all living things, especially those who are innocent, in difficulty or worse off than we are. Satya or truthfulness is the next Yama which means right communication through speech, writings, gestures, and actions. We are truthful when we think and say what we perceive, but the words must be uttered only for the benefit of others and not to hurt them. Well, I can think of many examples where I have hurt people either with untruth or hurtful truth. Understanding the true meaning of satya has made me think deeply about how I communicate what I think is truth. It's not as straightforward as I earlier thought, but definitely worth trying. The next yama is asteya or non-stealing. It is our ability to resist a desire for something that doesn't belong to us, even at a thought level. For example, I may not be stealing money from others, but I might envy them for the luxury they can afford with more money. Social media has made it even more challenging to practice asteya because all we see 
is other people having more or better things or lifestyle which we secretly wish to also have. Brahmacharya is the next Yama. For the yogis who have renunciated the material world, Brahmacharya means complete celibacy. But for others, householders like us, it means moderation in all our actions and being faithful to our partners. We can all reflect on how we are or aren't practicing this principle. And the last Yama is Aparigriha, which is non-holding or non-greed. It is our ability to accept only what is appropriate and not holding things that we don't need. For example, during COVID time, you would remember how many of us hoarded things such as essential supplies from grocery stores or even toilet paper without consideration for others who also needed them. We were driven by fear at that time. Now, moving on to the five niyamas, which help us build a better relationship with ourselves and thereby help us grow our character. The first niyama is socha, which means cleanliness, both physical and internal. While physical cleanliness allows us to keep dirt and other impurities out of our body, internal sochas allow us to get rid of old habits that are no longer serving us. For example, I'm working on reducing my people-pleasing habits and I can already see how that's improving my relationship with myself. Santosha or contentment is the second niyama which I find quite challenging. Our mind is often preoccupied with thoughts like I would be happy if I had that or I wish I was somewhere else. Santosha encourages us to appreciate what we have and where we are right now. Since this is a challenge for me, I'm investing more time on cultivating more contentment within and trying to live fully in each moment. The next three sochas are tapas or physical self-discipline, swadhyaya or self-reflection and ishvara pranidhana or surrendering to higher force and also it means action without attachment to results. I have explained these three in detail in the previous episode, so please refer to part 1 of episode 4 to understand these better if you haven't done so already. Interestingly, the five yamas and five niyamas loosely correspond to the ten commandments in the Bible and are also similar to the ten virtues of Buddhism. After working on both yamas and niyamas, we can practice the third limb of yoga, which is asana or postures, which is probably the most visible aspect of yoga and actually many people think that that is what yoga is all about. But it's not. It's just one of the eight limbs of yoga. We should start asanas simply from where we are today and slowly aim to achieve steadiness and comfort while holding the postures. We must not go beyond our current capacity or feel pain while doing asana because then we are not really practicing yoga. Asanas should not be practiced just mechanically like other physical exercises, but we should be fully engaging ourselves through conscious breathing while doing them. Only then it is considered a part of yoga practice. Over time, if done under the guidance of a qualified teacher, 
we gain physical strength to move our body with more flexibility and ease. After asana, we can practice pranayama, the fourth limb, which helps us refine our mind. Prana means vital life force, and it uses our breath as a vehicle to move within us. In its most basic form, pranayama is done by taking long and deep inhale, holding our breath, followed by taking long and deep exhale and holding our breath. When we gain the ability to understand and regulate our breath, we can energize or relax our body and mind at will and have a healthy, happy life. Prana essentially is life itself. Pranayama is a very powerful tool at our disposal and researchers worldwide continue to support remarkable benefits of conscious breathing. Again, just like asana, we should start pranayama practice only as per our current capacity and slowly progress into more advanced form under the guidance of a qualified teacher. When we hold our breath during pranayama, we experience a quiet mind as our senses are withdrawn inside. This is called pratyahara, the fifth limb. The practice of pratyahara changes our state of mind. We then become so absorbed in what we are focusing on that the things outside of ourselves, including sound and sensations, no longer bother us. So we don't really lose touch with our senses, but we are not affected by them and hence we are fully absorbed in what we are working on. For example, dancers, painters or singers may experience the state of pratyahara when they are fully immersed in their performance. I experience Pratyahara when I record the podcast. Closely linked to Pratyahara is Dharana of focused concentration and is the sixth limb. Candle gazing, visualization and focusing on the breath are all practices of Dharana. But this is the stage many of us get to and we think we are meditating, but we are not. In reality, it takes much longer to get to that point. At this stage, dharana stage, we are simply more able to concentrate on any object of choice and hold that concentration for a long time. This prepares us for the practice of meditation. Having learned the ability for focused concentration, we can move to the seventh limb, which is dhyana or meditative absorption. The actual practice of meditation is not something we can actively do or someone can teach. Rather, it happens spontaneously after practicing all the previous steps. In fact, if we are really meditating, we won't even have the awareness that that's happening. After we have organized our outer and inner worlds, we can then reach the final and eighth limb, which is Samadhi or enlightenment or bliss. At this stage, we do not necessarily abandon anything or leave the material world as commonly thought about. In fact, it is about realizing the very life that lies in front of us. Now we have gained the ability to see things as they are because our mind has become free from ego, attachment, aversion and fear. When that happens, we truly achieve the ultimate goal of yoga and feel connected with the rest of the universe. You can see now that even though yoga originated as a spiritual practice for transcending the material world, 
It also helps us better live our lives in the here and now. Yoga is not just about gaining more physical flexibility and relaxing our mind, but it's a complete well-being system that can transform us into better human beings. In the two episodes on yoga, I have shared how and why it can be adopted for living a more meaningful life, especially now when we are facing confusion and crisis on many fronts. I hope that more of us would adopt yoga as a practice for improving every aspect of our lives and live with meaning and purpose. Before closing this episode, I invite you to reflect on these questions. Do you think you really practice yoga? How many of the eight limbs have you focused on so far? How has your understanding of yoga changed after listening to this and the previous episode? Think about these questions and discuss with your family and friends. If you'd like to share it with me, please do so. And also, if you have any suggestions for me, then please contact me through my website, wellbeingcentral.org. Thank you so much for listening again. Stay tuned for the next episode where I'll share some new insights about well-being. Until then, let's get one stop closer to Wellbeing Central. Central.